is. We cannot do without fasting. Unfortunately, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because it actually works. When you go without food, when you go without what is dear to you, and you sacrifice, you can be sure that God will move. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, if you can do a meal or a day or a few days, I encourage you to do that. It's not a competition. It's between you and God. And we'll follow up with on Friday night from 6 to 10.30. There'll be a half night of prayer here. We'll join with our other campuses. So if you can come for half an hour, an hour, the whole time, come along. It'll be worthwhile um, doing. Um, a quick update with our buildings. As you know, we've been in talks for far too long for this building, which... Um, we've had a good update this week. So the whole thing has been um, to use the building in a legal way. We have to get what's called a DA or a development application. And this is the part that's taken a long time. It's going to be subject to council. But what we're waiting for is this thing called a strata seal. I'm only telling you because I want you guys to be praying for it. Waiting for a strata seal, which is part of a strata, it's part of a bigger body. So once we have the seal, it then, then goes through to council and we can be on our way. The contract's all fine with everything else is agreed on. It's just this one part. So just this week, the landlord has put through a letter um, to the strata requesting it. They've backed us 100%. They've even let us start. Our start date was meant to be the 1st of July with paying rent, but they've said, hey, we can start on the 1st of September if we need to. So they've been as lenient as possible. They've done all that they can. We believe that God is making a way. So if you can keep praying for this, you know, new territory doesn't come without a little bit of contention. And we're going to talk about that this morning a little bit. But can I tell you, there's some exciting things happening. You don't want to miss out. God is moving and he's going to continue to move. So if you can just keep that in your prayers would be great. All right, well, let's get into the word this morning. Now, I had been doing a series on the character of Christ, and um, at times God can interrupt us. I like to be interrupted by God because He has something to say, and He's given me a few words to share this morning. I think is a now message for some of you this morning. God's going to challenge and inspire, and I believe that God's going to do a work in, in, in some of your lives this morning. This morning, we were just praying just to welcome the Holy Spirit before we started church. Can I tell you, preach all the words and the words will make a difference. Try and touch from God, and touch from the Holy Spirit, and He will transform your life just like that. So don't look to me for some amazing message. You just need to touch from the Master, and I can tell you everything is going to change from there. So I had this phrase come to me, it was about building an altar. Building an altar. And an altar. Well, they represent a lot of things, but we're going to focus on praise. It's, it's worship. It was thanksgiving. We see that when Abraham built an altar, it was even in moments of unsurety or times that he didn't find what was going on, he would build an altar. And I had this word come to me before we had some building updates, and the ladies had been out praying and praying for the building. But I believe that God wanted us to build an altar in a time that was a little bit unsure. We weren't quite sure what's happened with the landlord, what's happened with the council, what's happened with all these things. But it's slowly begun, starting to become clear. So can I encourage you, as we go through this message this morning, building an altar should be a big part of our lives. So if we can... Turn to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to read a few verses from the Bible. I think that's a good place to start. Genesis chapter 12. Abraham was a man of faith. If Abraham had supported a, a NRL team, it would have been the Warriors. <laughs> because he has more faith than most. 
My team is down at the bottom of the table. Alright, let's get into this this morning. Genesis chapter 12, we're going to read from verses 1 through to verse 7. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and I will show you. as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abraham took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired from Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, and as far as the terebinth tree of Moriah. And the Canaanites were then were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So we're going to just break this down a little bit and look at verse 1. In verse 1 we see that we see God's command. Sorry, let me just turn that off. It's putting me off. We see here that God had given Abraham a command. There wasn't really much in there, don't you think? He said, to get out of your own country, away from your family, and away from your father's house to a land that I will show you. You know, God asked him to get away from everything that was uncomfortable. He didn't even tell him what he was going to do. The promise hadn't actually come yet, but he gave him a request or asked him for obedience first. Why does God ask us to do things that are uncomfortable? I think the reason is growth. Look at the stages here. Look, look at the stages here. You get away from your own country, get away from your family, also get away from your father's house where I want to take you. Just remember this in your journey in life. The path where God wants your life to go is not necessarily going to be the, mo- the path most traveled, nor will it be comfortable. Or is it the easiest? Now, don't think God's always saying that he'll make you go away from your family or from from your country for the most part. Although some of us have moved away from those things. But I think the journey of faith is about saying, yes, God, I'll go. Yes, God, I'll go. Before he gives us what he's going to do in his life, before the promise comes. But we say, yes, with faith, I'll do it. If you're anything like me, I'm a bit of a calculated risk type of person. I want to have my ducks in a row before I say yes, for the most part. But I think what God was saying here is that he wants us to go and that he will take us to the land that he wants to show us. In Genesis chapter 12, moving to verse... I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a great blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. See, God's promise for your life is big. It's bigger than you can imagine. But the issue comes down to obedience. God asks us to do things. But when you're in the will of God, he will bless you. See there, he says, I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse them who curse you. He didn't promise an easy life, 
But he did promise a life where his favor and his blessing will be upon him. I also see there in that scripture that it says, and all the families of the earth will be blessed. When you and I obey what God has asked us to do, did you know that others around you will actually benefit from that? When you and I take up the call of God in whatever area that looks like, can I tell you that others will be blessed around you? When you make those hard choices in our families, the hard choices in our marriages, when we stay at the job that we feel that God has for us, when we serve in church, even though it can be tough at times, all these things, when we obey what God has put in front of us, others will be blessed. And when we look at the Christian life, and we're going to discuss this a little bit later, I see two things. I see in and I see through. See, God will do a lot of work in you. He'll do the work in your heart. He'll change our character. He'll do things for us. He'll bless us. But then there's the through bit. And this is where maturity comes at. The Christian life is not all about just me. God bless me. God heal me. God, I need a breakthrough. And he'll do those things. But it's the through that God is looking for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Through you, others will be blessed when yeah. you and I choose to obey what God has asked us to do. I know in here, Abraham had a big promise in front of us, a big promise in front of him. But don't let that fool you that it's the small and the often that God asks us to obey him. God's not going to say, how I'm going to give you the whole of Australia if you you just follow what I'm doing. It could be the small things. It could be, hey, the type of music that you're listening to, I'd like to sort that out. You know, back when I was a bit of a younger kid, I had a pretty eclectic collection of all sorts of music. And my dad... Some of you know, the pastor wasn't none too happy with anything that wasn't totally Christian. But I told Dad, I'm not giving it up until God tells me. I said, Dad, I don't feel bad, I don't feel guilty. I'm sure Dad would be praying for my salvation. But it wasn't until God convicted me to give that up that I then did that. So God will put things in your life that He requires of you. And when obedience comes, blessing follows afterwards. We all want the blessing, but we don't want to do the things that are attached to it that God wants from us. We're going to keep moving on to Genesis now, 12, verses 4 and 5. So it goes on and says, As Abraham, Abraham sorry, departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. He took, then Abraham took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions and they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. You know, Abraham was a 75 year old man with no family, no children. He just had a wife. God in this moment spoke to his future, not his present. God's word to us always requires action. Faith does not look at our surroundings and then ponder on a decision. Faith actually takes action. It would have taken a lot for Abraham to pick everything up and go just on a word from God. Can you imagine him talking to his wife? I've heard God speak to me. We need to go to a land. Where are we going? Like, I don't really know, but we're going to start moving in a certain direction. We're going to take everything that we have and just follow what God has asked us to do. If you're anything like me, sometimes when God speaks, I like to rationalize it. And maybe make it small. Oh, 
Maybe God did ask me to sort that out. Maybe I should be, you know, saying sorry to my wife. Maybe I should be putting something right or something. Oh, I'll leave it. I don't need to worry about it. It wasn't as bad as I thought. And we take, we can rationalize the things that God says to us. I think it is in the little and the often that you and I are asked to obey. A change of attitude, maybe helping someone in need. Maybe serving someone with your time, someone in your family that you find hard to get on with, but God still wants us to spend time with them anyway. Maybe it's taking a step of faith and talking to that friend about Jesus. Blessing follows obedience. When we move down to Genesis chapter 12, now verses 6 and 7, we see that Abraham, it says, passed through the land to the place of Shechem, and as far as the Terebinth tree of Morah, and the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants, I will give this land. God never gives territory without a fight. Yeah. Mm. Did you know that Abram had to coexist with his own giants for some time? He had a promise from God, this is the place to be, but was it easy? Absolutely not. The level of opposition of things that we face in life is not the determining factor of whether God wants us there or not. I'm going to say that again. The level of opposition that you're facing today in situations is not the determining factor of whether you're in the middle of the will of God or not. So often we want to run from the pain. So often we want to run from the giants because we assume God didn't call us to this place because it's tough. Who here is a gardener? Okay. If, if you do pot plants, you don't count. Who's a real gardener in this place? We have one gardener. I, I, I'm not a gardener, I promise you that. But you know what I think? Anyone can go to Bunnings. Anyone can just pick up one of these pot plants, chuck a little water and whatever else you put with them, I, I don't really know. But anyone can do pot plant, pot plant garden. You know, when I was young, um, me and my brothers, we got put into slave labor. It was an hour of weeding for an hour of PlayStation. Years later, I was like, no, I got tricked real bad. Our gardens are perfect because we wanted to play PlayStation. But one thing mum would get us to do is um, take out the weeds. We'd spend time with all the weeds and boring as, and the weeds are really small and it takes time to pull them out. And the other thing that we did is that mum and dad would buy like seeds or like little shrubs for us to plant into the ground. So we'd dig like little holes, like, believe me, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, it's been a long time since I've done anything even close to this. But we'd dig little holes in the ground and we'd put little shrub or the little flower in there and then we'd put the topsoil back on and a little bit of water and maybe a few days later we'd come and water it and we'd kind of make sure. But sure enough, the roots would go down and then something would start to grow. This is what I think. Often Christians are too much like pot plants. We want to get carried over to where the sun shines. We want to get put into a favorable place so everything is easy. If it gets too hold or too hard, we better move that because the roots can only go down so deep. 
We want to try and find where the better money is or where are better bosses or if the family thing is too hard or relationships fall over. We just want to move away from those things because in life they all become too hard. But Abraham shows us that when he was in Canaan, the land that God had given him or the place that he was called to be, he had to coexist with some giants for a little while. Yeah. Do you know why those giants were there? They were made to be defeated. Mm. You've got things you're facing today? Good. They're there for you to win and to conquer. Yeah. They're not just there for, for, for them to laugh in your face and give you a hard time. That's actually there to help you struggle, to help you strive, to have to fight, to have to sweat, and eventually you will win. Can we turn to Psalm chapter 1 just for a second this morning? Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1, verses 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season whose leaf also does not wither, and whatever he shall, he does shall prosper. Don't plant yourself in the most favorable conditions. Plant yourself next to the river. Can I ask you this morning, where are you planted? Are you the pot plant Christian that when things get a little bit tough and a little bit rocky, then you just try and move that little pot plant in front of the sun so it feels good again? Or do you say, God, I'll be planted in the river no matter what season comes, no matter what happens, I know I'm planted in the right yeah. place. See, the promise is that when you're planted by the river, it doesn't matter what seasons of life come, you will still bear fruit. Mm. So many Christians fail to bear fruit because they're pot plant Christians. Yeah. They only produce fruit when they're in the favorable conditions. Yeah. Whatever you're facing today, if you're where God has called you to be, you will bear fruit. I thought that was really, really good. I'm going to give myself a clap. That is so good. Can I tell you this morning, I feel like God is speaking to us to become... Not just Christians who've been gone with the world, but mature Christians. We go deeper in Him. Our foundations go deep in Him. Because when it's a life of faith, the trust is not in self anymore. But it is a trust in God. Those mountains, those ugly giants, when they rear their head, they are in your life to be defeated in the mighty name of Jesus. Don't just plant where it's pretty. Plant in the promise. That's where you've got to be. If you don't know what God promises to your life, if you don't know where you're meant to be, well, start with planting by the river because that's a really, really good start. Can I tell you this morning, for me, I am so desperate to hear the voice of God for my life because if I try and make it up and try and get it right on my own, I'm going to get it wrong. And I'm going to end up moving to try and get to the painful conditions. But when I plant next to the river, when I ask for God's voice and I really want to hear it, I know I'm going to be in the right place. Yeah, you good. and I, we need to be people who do this. Yep. Can we just turn over to Hebrews chapter 11 just for a few seconds this morning? 
Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, verses 8 and verses 9. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would, he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Verse 9. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. How often do you and I leave our house without, without actually having a destination in mind? I would say never. I'm not an overly adventurous person. My wife has this word called sponty. It's just like spontaneity. Like, let's do something sponty and just, you know, let's open the door and let's just go somewhere. I'm like, nope. Have to have a time that we're leaving. Have to have a destination. Have to have the correct, the correct coffee stop. So, let's move on from coffee. But coffee is a vital part of life. But how often do we leave our house and not have a destination? Yet, Abraham, right here, it said he was called to go out to the place which he, he would receive, and he went out not knowing where he was going. My question this morning is, do you trust him? Do you trust God with the destination of your life? Do you trust God with your finances? You know, I don't often speak a heap about money in church but I think God challenges some of us in our journey of faith and our finances. God, if I give to you, I don't know what the destination looks like. Because once that money is gone, I don't know where it's going to lead me to. How about your time? If I give my time to other people or if I serve in the church or if I give more time to God, I've got less time for myself. I don't know where the destination is going. Can I ask you, do you trust him this morning? God has far, far more for you, but he's waiting for your faith yeah. and your obedience. Yeah. Too often you and I, we wait for the perfect opportunity where faith and fear align and we find a happy medium before we even consider going out on the ledge for God. Yeah. Faith and fear should never align, but they do for me all the time, right? I'm not too scared and I've got enough faith that I can see the destination. That's not what faith is. Faith is God, I can't see the destination. And like Abraham, he left for a destination, not even knowing where it was going to be. But he said this, God, I will trust you. Do you trust God with the destinations of your life? Do you trust him with your finances? Do you trust him in your job? Do you trust him in your family and your family's relationship? Often our inheritance lies where we don't even know where it is going to end up. You and I, we've got to keep pushing and keep going after God with all that we have. Yeah. Hebrews 11 verses 9 said this, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Said that he dwelt there as in a foreign country or a bit like a foreigner. Now, I know I'm a Kiwi and it's just over the ditch, but when I came to Sydney, I thought Liverpool was a station on the Monopoly map, not knowing that it was just a city over here. I know what it's like to move to a country and not know anything. 
I know what it's like to try and drive to the city and get lost for about two hours straight because I kept missing the exits. I know what it's like not to have local places to go and buy the best food, although the best pies, I'm sorry, are still in New Zealand. Australia does not know how to make a proper steak and cheese pie. Can we just pray for a minute? Holy Spirit, we'll pray for inspiration. No, we don't, because I'm not going to get that. But I know what it feels like to be a foreigner. Delfina and I, when we first got out, we would just catch the train and we had no idea we were, but we just kind of got around. But see, what this verse tells me is that Abraham did not feel comfortable in the land that he was meant to be in. Have you stopped to consider whether you're in your land of promise? Or do you need to make some adjustments? Are you spending time with him daily? Are you spend, spending time committing decisions to him? Or are we getting ahead of ourselves and making decisions then hoping God blesses them afterwards? You know, one thing I see so often is, nothing wrong with it, is getting a better job and get a, getting better pay and that kind of thing. But people will take a job not even considering the ramifications it may have upon their own spiritual walk, upon being a part of the community of God, or other areas of their life. They think, oh, it's more money, I must take it. Can I tell you right now, it is so important that we make decisions with God right next to us yeah. every single yeah. time. Yeah. Even if you're unsure today, never make a major decision without hearing from God first. Mm. Do you know why? My heart, my heart is whipping. My heart wants what I want. If I can get a few bucks more an hour, absolutely, I'm going to go over there. If I can get a bit more of this, absolutely, I'm going to go for it. Why? Because my heart wants it. Our hearts need a check. Our hearts need someone next to us that goes, hey, I don't think that's quite right. When you spend time with God, when you spend time in His Word and in prayer and around good people that are not just yes men and going to help you do what you want to do, but how help get your life aligned, that is how you and I make decisions to stay in the promised land. Abraham could have left. Can you still imagine? 75-year-old man, he's not young, he's got a wife, he's taken all that he has and he's gone into a land where he's comfortable and he's faced with giants. And he still doesn't quite know what the inheritance actually looks like. The easiest thing would have been pack up and go home. But because he heard a word from God, he stayed. I'll go back to it. You and I, we need to stay in the place that God has called us to be. If you're in a job and maybe it's tough, pray about it. God may want to be doing a work in your life so that you stay there. Maybe there's some uncomfortable things in your family going on right now. You think the easiest thing to do is to ignore it. Easiest thing is just to let them be and let them do things and I'll pray for them. Maybe God wants you to stand next to them and pray with them and, and stay next to them and help them out in the things that they are facing. But one thing that I see that Abraham was, was that he was unsure. Yes, he had faith. He actually had faith. But in the middle of that, the situations did not make sense. So what did he do? He built an altar. He built an altar. You don't need to turn to it, but back in Genesis 12, verses 7, it said this, And there he built an altar to the Lord. What do you do in times of unsurety? What do you do when things are tough? What do you do when you feel like God has given you a word, but you're not quite seeing what that looks like? 
Abraham's response, Abraham, sorry, he built an altar. An altar can mean many things. It can be thanksgiving, it can be praise, it can be something based around the location of where they're at. It can be a sacrifice. It could look like faith. It can look like surrender. Or it can look like acknowledgement of the promise. You know, something about the altar is that back in Bible times, they would put the, uh, the, the sacrificial lamb or the, or the burnt offerings upon the altar. Um, and then what they'd do is they'd set fire to that thing. And that would then go up and it would basically appease the sins um, of the people and, and was done by the high priest. But just as I was praying last night, see, you and I, our lives are an altar. Our lives are an altar. Can we just turn to Leviticus chapter 6 for just this morning? Leviticus chapter 6. Leviticus chapter 6. Verses 12 and 13. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Did you know that our lives are like an altar? God spoke to me this morning that the fire should never go out upon the altar of our lives. Can I ask you this morning, how's the fire on your altar? Here it says it was done daily. Every morning there was wood put on it to keep the fire burning. Can I ask you this morning, if you're only filling that altar once or twice a week with a bit of wood, it's not enough for that altar to be burning hot with a passion for Jesus. I feel God stirring some people this morning that God wants to restoke that fire in your life. Can I tell you that when your life goes upon the altar of Christ, nothing is ever the same again. You know, I've got nothing against doing well in life, nothing against having goals and all these good things. God bless us. We're in a great country. But can I tell you that there is a much greater cause. It is the cause of mankind meeting their maker. The reason I come to church, yes, to fellowship with you all and to worship God, but I want to become more like him so I make a difference when I'm out there. Can I tell you that there is a world out there that needs the message of Jesus. In Romans 10, 14, it says, How will they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall shall they hear without a preacher? If we are Christians only focused on what God does in us and not focused on what God does through us, then I think we miss the message of what the gospel is. We here, most of us, I'm sure, have salvation. We are saved. Our name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. But what about your friends and your family? You know, if your friend is sick, you would help them. You would want them, to, want them to get well. How is their health of their spiritual man? 
Because once they pass from this life, that is it. There's no second chance in this life. You and I need a passion for the lost like we have not had before. I know many of you love your family dearly, love your siblings, your parents. Do you understand the love that you have from them? That's what God has for every single person upon this earth. And the same grief that you and I have experienced when unfortunately people pass away. How do you think he feels when someone passes from this life not having met with Jesus? Hundred years on earth. Who cares? There is millions and millions and millions of years after that separated from an eternity with Christ. Let that burn on your hearts this morning that God, may my life not just be about me. God, not what you can do in me, but may my life be upon the altar for what you can do through me. You can reach people in your workplace. I don't mean carry the biggest Bible around and bash anyone that you can find around the head, but just God, give me an opportunity. I had to go to a, a staff dinner on Friday night. And I had two conversations that I did not start, all about church, why I started church, and that both of them used to go to church with the young and both walked away from God. I didn't really try and bring that up, but I just said, God, I'm available. There are people in your world right now desperate for an answer in life. But if we're so concerned with everything in our own life, we forget why we actually exist. God sent his son so that no one would perish so that everyone would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 6 says this, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? I believe believe God's heart breaks. We're not having enough people to go. God's voice to you this morning is, will you go? Yeah. Will you be a witness for him? Yeah. My prayer this morning is that God lights your heart on fire. Yeah. That you put your life upon the altar this morning. And say, God, in whatever capacity, just use me. God hasn't called you to be a pastor or preacher. That's fine. You don't have to be. But God can use you as you are. All you have to be is willing. Yeah, it's good, Rod. a bigger building. God has not done in this place. Yeah. He's barely in the style. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you the fire for this nation burns in my heart. Mm-hmm. And my prayer is that it's not just me, that, that God raises an army in this place. Yeah. We're not trying to build a name in a big fancy church. Honestly, who cares about any of that stuff? Yeah. You just need a touch from the master. Yeah. Jesus, everything. 
Yeah. You can have all the smoke and the lights, and I like lights, lights are good, and I like music because I'm a drummer, of course. Want big sums, of course. And all that stuff. But getting away from that, none of that matters unless there's a touch from the master. Yeah. If God touches your life, you're never the same again. And the point is, is that once it happens to you, you can't help but tell somebody else about the same experience. God has completely sidelined my message that I have. And he brought me this morning to tell you that he wants you to go for him. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Yeah. You and I might say, oh, here I am, God, but I've got problem A, B, C, D. Maybe it goes through all way and Z. I don't know. But that doesn't matter. God wants you as a willing heart. Yeah. That God can use you in your workplace. That if you take a few minutes out of the day, just start to read your Bible. A few minutes a day. Pray a few minutes a day. It's just about making time. God's not saying that he wants five hours of you every single day straight away. That might not work. But he wants you today. He wants your heart today. He doesn't want to wait till you've got enough money. Or wait till you're of the right age. Or wait till you're married. Or wait till you've got your house. Or wait till you've done all your goals. No, today is the day that he calls you. Today is the day that he calls you. I've lost track of time. I'm just going to get you up on the top. There's a verse in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 17. I'm going to read it to you this morning. I hope God's speaking something to your heart this morning. I hope God is speaking something to your heart that you can take away this morning. Philippians 2 verses 17 says this. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and the service of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Paul, his life was like a drink offering. What used to happen in, in historic times is that once the the burnt offering would go upon uh, the altar next to it, they would pour out some sort of a wine next to the altar. The thing about a, a, uh, a drink offering, once it's poured out, it can never go back in. Watch what you're being poured out for. You and I have limited resources, limited time, limited emotional capacity. Watch what you're being poured out for. Yeah. We can be poured out for all sorts of things. Maybe it's a, you know, all of our life is for that deposit for that house. All of our time is for sport or all of our time is for these different things. There's nothing wrong with any of these things. But can I tell you, there's going to be part of us that is poured out for the kingdom. Poured out for the gospel. And poured out to see his kingdom come. This is where I'd like to end up today. Most of you have got phones here this morning. I want you to write on your phone. What was my life so? Today I lay upon the altar. I printed all these out with the wrong date on them actually, so I cut off the date. This is brilliant. <laughs> And then I realize I haven't many pens either, but we don't use pens these days, do we? So just go with those. I want you to write, today I lay upon the altar. 
That's six words. I want you to put that on your phone. Six words. God has spoken to many of you today some things that you need to put upon the altar. Today, I lay upon the altar. Some things that we can lay upon the altar might be distraction, might be your will, might be your ambition, maybe past hurts, mindsets, attitudes, maybe to finances, or maybe it's you who needs to go upon the altar today. A re-consecration to Jesus. Don't consecrate yourself to a church. Don't consecrate yourself to a good idea or good living. Because to be honest, most of that has very little meaning. Consecrate yourself to a person. His name is Jesus. And he's alive. And he's in this room right now. Consecrate yourself. Sacrifice yourself for him this morning. I'm going to get the team to sing a song this morning. And I want you to do business with God. Worship. You want to sit there and reflect. You want to stand. You want to do what you want to do. But can I tell you, the altar is here this morning. God wants you to put some things up.